everyone. Welcome to another OutMain podcast, Thinking Out Loud. Today, I'm super excited to cover a topic that deserves more spotlight than it normally gets. So today we're going to be talking about intersectionality, and I actually have um, a guest joining us to do so. And so I'd love to have them introduce themselves. Grace, go on. Hi, I'm Grace, any pronouns. And I am a genderqueer lesbian who is on the Youth Advisory Board for OutMain. And I've been on it for about a year now, I think. And that's been pretty fun. And we've been like doing projects and advising. Awesome. Yeah, this is super cool to have you here with us because I think young people's input is so much more important than adult input sometimes. So thank you so much for joining us. This is going to be, I think, very helpful and informative for a lot of people. So would you mind telling a little bit? I know you said you, you've you been on Youth Advisory Board for a year, which is super awesome. We're so glad to have you. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the projects either you've done in the past or you have kind of it coming down the pipeline in the next year? Yeah, so I think one of the first ones we did was at Rainbow Ball. We did a presentation on active allyship, and I actually did a section on intersectionality for that. And then we also had different like groups come talk to us about what they need to improve for their outreach and stuff. And then at OutMain Goes Live on the Lake last year, we did a workshop for artist advocacy, which was pretty fun. And then now we're working on another Rainbow Ball project. Awesome. So cool. So many things in the works, which is really exciting. And it's also awesome that I, and I didn't even realize that you had done the intersectionality piece um, about a year ago, or I was probably in the planning about a year ago. Um, so that's awesome. So clearly have some passion behind that, which we love. So I would love to get us started by just giving a little bit of a textbooky type definition about intersectionality. So this term was coined in 1989 by Kimberly Crenshaw, and it was supposed to be referring to the various like kind of elements and compounding impacts of simultaneous racial and gender discrimination. And now it's widely applied within many social justice spaces. You know, an intersectionality theory gives language to the complex layers that make up each one of us and uncovers where they intersect and highlights how we then experience the world as a result of all those intersectionalities and kind of like meeting points. Without it, um, efforts to address injustice, inequality, and inequity will never really fully meet the needs of people that are impacted. And so today, I think talking about this and just shedding some light on it um, is going to be really important. And I think I have lots of ideas. And so I'm excited that Grace is here to kind of break some of that down. And so to start, Grace, if you don't mind, I would love it if you could talk to us a little bit about what intersectionality means to you. To me, intersectionality means looking at how identities overlap and working to include everyone, like including disabled queer people and queer people of color in queer spaces and just, yeah, working to not exclude people. Yeah, a really basic premise that I think like we're taught what in like elementary school, right? You know, we're taught like ask your friends and be polite and like invite everyone to the party and, you know, things like that. So it's just kind of this basic term that, you know, basic understanding of like, how do we include the most amount of people? So 
in all like their identities and kind of like all the pieces that make up them as one person. So I really like the idea that you brought up surrounding like disabled LGBTQ plus folks in, in general, just because I think that it's like a commonly left out facet within this. So I don't know. Do you want to speak a little bit more about like why you're feeling passionate about that or maybe just talk a little bit more about it? Yeah, definitely. I'm disabled myself. And so it's a really important thing to me, I guess. And I think it's really important to do things like make pride accessible and make language used by medical professionals and everything accessible and inclusive of different identities and everything because often doctors will say things like one in 10 women have endometriosis or something which excludes all the non-binary and trans and gender queer people who might also have endometriosis or similar conditions yeah really important pieces here and i'm kind of like just thinking like basics for some folks that like might not be as familiar with intersectionality and also like this layer of dis of like disabled beings like being um kind of put into that and so like uh could you think of an example of like how we would make something a little bit more accessible for someone whether that's like at a pride event or whether that's like through medical care like what would be something that you think is like maybe a small change that could very easily be done i think making sure pride has like ramps for like wheelchairs if there are like sidewalks that are inaccessible or something and like making sure that people don't get crowded out and have room to use wheelchairs or mobility aids or whatever they need at pride i think that's an important one yeah i mean i can see i mean i'm thinking of portland pride right so in my mind that's like a that's a very large event i know a bunch of towns do their own pride events but in my mind, like that is a big event, right? And so I'm picturing a packed sidewalk in a packed road where like the parade is happening. And like, how are we including people like who you said, who are using mobility aids or in, you know, in wheelchairs, like that need the space, right? They like physically need, um, you know, that, that space and like, how, how do we respect that of others? And I think Another thing I just thought of is like handicap accessible porta potties, like bathrooms. Oh, no. Because there's a step up into all of those, right? So, like, unless it is flat to the ground, like, how are we helping people like use the bathroom? Like, and that doesn't even cover like the gendered bathroom thing, right? Like, we're just talking about like a basic need of accessibility. And so, all of those things are super important. And yeah, I think that's that's a perfect kind of description of like something really small that we could change so that all these people's like intersecting identities are in bits and layers are like making it in so we can all do an event together. So that was a really good example. So thank you. So next up, I want to talk about the month of February. So we're recording this in the month of February and it'll likely get released in February as well. And so, you know, how how is this idea of intersectionality more relevant during the month of February? I think it's pretty relevant because this is Black History Month as well. And then there are also like other awareness months that of like health conditions that affect queer people too. Yeah, absolutely. I think like 
because I kind of talked about how this term like intersectionality that Kimberly Crenshaw like talked about was really talking about like racial and gender discrimination. And so we're kind of like hitting both of those things, um, especially during Black History Month. And so again, it's just like super important to be like talking about because I don't know. I mean, I didn't learn a lot about intersectionality in my school growing up. Um, and I'm not sure how much like you've been educated by like a governed system, right? Like we can educate ourselves online, but like, I don't know, is this something that's like talked about in your community? I hadn't heard of intersectionality a lot until, or I hadn't heard of at least the origins of it until I was on the youth advisory board actually. And I started learning about all of it. Which is like ironic, right? Because I said like, this is like this basic principle that like we can all be included despite like, all oh, maybe all the pieces and that, that make us up and that overlap and like can cause, I don't know, I feel like a lack of even sense of belonging and like confusion for a lot of people. So it just, it blows my mind that it's not something that's more talked about. And so, yes, Black History Month um, is happening in February, super important. And I think the other thing that comes to mind for me is, you know, Valentine's Day. Um, you know, being widely celebrated holiday, but I think, and some people I think don't care for it. I think that's totally fine too. Um, and it's more than just like this love is love idea, right? Like we're kind of beyond that at this point, but it's more to me about like how we promote like this self-love. And I think when we have, like I said, so many layers that we're learning about and, or maybe, you know, like kind of just figuring out for ourselves like all these layers put onto one another to like be able to still love ourselves and accepting ourselves for who we are never mind what anyone else thinks like self-acceptance I think is super important um and and also like this like healthy relationships not even like I'm not even talking about like you have to be in a relationship with someone like I'm just thinking about healthy friendships setting healthy boundaries with maybe family members and friends or maybe that is a partner thing um but just this idea that like we can love ourselves we can love our friends our family we can love acquaintances we could love life right like healthy set up with love i don't know i just feel like my mind kind of goes to like this place of like i'm celebrating the love and respect we might have for other people and that can be really challenging with additional layers like i said that we're like trying to understand yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, so just like February is, you know, uh, a little bit of a chaotic month. Um, I feel like for some people be and can cause like a little bit of more of a stressor, right? Like, oh, if I don't have a partner, then I can't really celebrate Valentine's Day. But I think that's like more of a reason to celebrate like this idea of like, no, I'm putting myself first and I don't have a partner either because I have learned, you know, I'm working on myself or I have learned what I don't like in a partner or I have just gotten out of a really negative relationship and I'm kind of working on healing. So lots of important things all around for the month of February. Yeah, I think along with that, it's also important to include all types of couples. And like, I think that goes along with intersectionality a lot of like including queer couples that are also like people of color or disabled or neurodivergent or interabled or all of that. 
Right. Because I mean, think about it. Like when you go to, let's say like, um, like a convenience store, like a CVS or something on the corner, like when you're walking in and you're going to pick out a card for your loved one, like how gendered are they? It's literally like set up in a section where it's like for your husband, for your wife. It's upsetting. And I feel like we could do a much, much better job at that. Um, But yeah, like celebrating more kinds of love with representation because it matters so much. I mean, we know how much, you know, representation matters. Um, But the rest of the world is a little bit slower to keep up, I feel. So next up, Grace, I want to kind of talk about like, and we kind of, I guess, touched on this a hair, but I want to see if there's anything else you want to add. Um, how do you feel like intersectionality like impacts you directly? It could be you, it could be your friends, it could be family, it could be people in your community, however um, you want to kind of classify it. But how does how is it impacting you? I feel like there's really a lack of representation in a lot of media and stuff for like queer disabled people. And that's something that I've always really wanted, I guess, and never found a lot of. So it affects me in that way. Definitely. Right. Like this lack of is is the way the, that the impact is happening for you. And I think that's true. Like, I'm, I'm trying to think like in your mind, like where do you think like it would be needed the most? Like that representation, like where something like if you saw it, you'd be like, wow, like this is amazing. I think probably in like TV shows, I think it would be really nice and like TV shows directed towards teens or young adults. I think that would be good. Yeah, I would agree. I think that's like our first, not first, but it's like a lot of our interaction with like the world when we're younger, like before we're out there like having slumber parties with our friends and like whatever in like we're in school, but like, I don't know, it gives us a kind of a fake ish worldview for now right like we're seeing like a lot of gendered things and we're seeing a lot of um damsel in distress disney videos where the 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 man is the one that saves the day um i think we're there has been some effort to change that a little um but it's not been like super great uh and i don't know like did you i'm, I'm not sure if you even saw it but like the barbie movie Oh, yeah. I love the Barbie movie so much. Yeah. So there's like stuff like that that's like happening. And I, I personally haven't seen it. I've heard really mixed reviews. Um, and so, I, you know, I'm just wondering, like, are we in a place where we're trying to move in this direction of like writing some rewriting and reclaiming like some of these, you know, negative stigmas surrounding different intersectionalities and like how they overlap? So things to think about for sure. Um, Next up, I think this is something that you've mentioned to me in the past that feels um, important to you. And so I wanted to see if you want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, queer people and getting like medical care in this intersectionality piece. Like how do those connect in your mind? Yeah, so LGBTQ people are at higher risk for a lot of conditions and disabilities But we're also, like, queer people are also more likely to be discriminated against and less, in some circumstances, less likely to receive adequate care. And so I think it's really important for medical professionals to be aware of that. And not even just medical professionals, but just everyone anyway. 
and parents of queer kids and all of that to just be aware that like there is this disconnect and higher risk. And I think it's important to try and help people out with that. And yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think you made a really, a lot of great points in there. So as you know, in my background of just the mental health world, where thing is already like a stigmatized thing, never mind adding layers of people's identity, right? Um, and so I think of like what that care looks like and what and how it varies in settings. So I think of like an outpatient mental health clinic versus an inpatient facility and like what that level of care looks like um, and can change so rapidly. And, you know, this is something that we try and talk about to our mental health uh, provider trainings that our training coordinator and myself do for people um, is talking about like, what are some things you need to be, you know, worrying about? And this would go for all medical providers in this sense, but it's like, you know, are, are you offering services to help folks that are disabled? Are you offering services that um, are meeting more than competent levels of care for for LGBTQ plus youth. Like how are you how are you in their system um documenting that they have a name change or a pronoun change, even though it might not be a legal name change? You know, like what are you doing in that way? Or how are you respecting like their background, like their ethnic backgrounds and like where they come from, like their morals and their beliefs. All stuff that's so important for like the correct level of care but it's very much overlooked, which is just feeling, feels kind of sad all around. Um, although I know there are some providers out there that I think do it well, but it's not everyone. And so hopefully we can move toward, um, you know, a, a world where we're seeing more providers kind of jump on the bandwagon of going to main trainings and like figuring out, learning some stuff, learning new vocab words, um, giving them confidence to like change language and do their own work because, you know, it's not other people's responsibility to educate the providers. Um, but it is like the provider's responsibility to take notice that there's like different clientele coming into their office. Um, and it's not even just the providers. It's like the front office staff. Like, can I in my wheelchair speak to you over the counter or, you know, order am I yelling at the wall? Right. Like, you know, like what is the what is the way we're being met kind of where we're at? I think that's I don't know. I could talk about a soap. I could be on on like a soapbox about meeting people where they're at forever. Um but awesome. Thank you so much, Grace. That was amazing. Is there anything left on here that we haven't shared that you're feeling passionate about or anything else you wanted to add before we wrap up? Oh, there was one thing earlier you were talking about, you mentioned gender neutral bathrooms. And I think that that's another really important thing to address because like I have um, inflammatory bowel disease and there, I know a lot of queer people also have that. Like it's, yeah, it's something queer people do experience. And I think it's really important to make sure that there is access to gender neutral bathrooms for anyone who does have something like IBD or 
IBS or gastroparesis or any sort of condition where they might need access to a bathroom. And yeah. Yeah, I'm right. Like we always talk about like bathrooms are just like such a basic need for everyone, no matter what. Um, and yeah, the, the not having non-gendered bathrooms is, I think, a battle in some places. Um, but it's such an easy change if we can just it's literally a chain of change of signage it's and you know what like i think people are worried about pushback um but i think we get pushback for everything we do and so it's kind of like picking and choosing your battles of like yeah i might be able to manage a parent getting mad at me about this but at the same point you know maybe maybe their solution is like a single stall bathroom and so everyone feels safe to use that bathroom and i would and I would like to think that even single stall bathrooms feel safer just in general. And they're more handicap accessible than bathrooms with stalls. Yeah. And that's another thing with the accessible bathrooms. I think it's really important to make sure there are also accessible gender neutral bathrooms for people who need those. Right. And I, I know in places they'd be like, oh, well, the gender neutral bathrooms are on the second floor, but we don't have an elevator. So it kind of like, it's like nonsensical. It's like, well, how does a student that is using mobility aids getting to the second floor to use that gender neutral bathroom? Um, so things that just like are common sense, but just like, I don't know, it's just not, it doesn't click for some people. Um, so yeah, gender neutral bathrooms is always a good one. We have so many connections with folks who do a lot um, to kind of work in the world of gender neutral bathrooms and getting that set up. And so if you're listening and you are interested more in that topic, please reach out because we have so many people we can connect you with that maybe could get this happening in your school, in your office, in your um, in your town, in your community, wherever wherever that setting might be that we can, um, you know, assist with. So awesome. Well, Grace, it's been lovely to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much for joining. Um, and hopefully this will be our last time chatting. I'm sure we'll find other topics that you're passionate about along the way. And so everyone, thank you so much for listening. This has been another Out Main original podcast, Thinking Out Loud. Catch you next time.